You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. And on today's episode, I wanted to talk about tips for dealing with a know-it-all coworker. I'm just going to go ahead and say that this stems from a recent experience that I had at work. Some of you, in case you don't know, let me just describe one of the many hats that I wear. So I am a critical care transport nurse. So in that, I help transport critically ill patients from hospital A to hospital B, usually because they need some type of higher uh, level of care. Maybe they've gone to a small community hospital and they're... 90% burned and need to go to a regional burn center, or they're at one particular hospital, they're doing very, very bad, and they need some particular unique surgery by some rare specialist, and I need to transfer them to this hospital across town that provides this service. Or maybe they're in need of a, a transplant or something like that, and the hospital that they're at doesn't provide that service. So for a variety of reasons, I'm transporting patients who are pretty sick from one place to another. So my office, my unit is an ambulance, makeshift ER, ICU all in one. And I get to do a lot of cool things, high acuity. And I work with two EMTs. So let me bring it back to the know-it-all. So in this environment, I would have to say, I people who do what I do must be very seasoned and experienced and skilled and very autonomous in the work that they do. I'm not saying that I'm the know-it-all in this situation, but I'm just saying, let me just pop in my collar for a second to say how experienced I am that these 23, 24 years of nursing experience are not in vain, but I love what I do. So here's the thing. I went to a particular hospital and I was picking up a patient in the emergency room to bring them to a different hospital that offered more advanced cardiac services that just weren't at this particular hospital. So I roll up in the ER with my team. It's me and two EMTs. And I stroll night shift. I think it was like maybe one, two, three in the morning or so. So I, you know, we roll up in the emergency room and I can see, listen, no shade night nurses. I've been a night nurse. I know how this goes, but I roll up into the, the ER. All of the nurses are, you know, hovering at the nurse's station, which not an issue as long as the patients are being taken care of, right? And, you know, they're kicking, they're talking, they're having their snacks, they're, you know, having a, a good old time, I should say. But what bothered me was the shit talking that I heard. I heard some nurses saying, oh, here come the ENTs there, you know, they want you to, they want you to go to the room and meet the patient and this and that. Just, just keep them reporting, let them be on their way. And I don't know if whoever said that, because I don't know who said it, knew what was actually going on with the patient, but it wasn't just a regular basic transport. It's a transport that required a nurse. So patient's a little sicker than, you know, the traditional transport, but I just listen. I'm not saying anything. I, you know, don't ask, don't tell. I just walk through. But once I heard her say, they'd like you to walk to the room, I stroll on up to the nurse's station and then they kind of, I guess they didn't hear me. I guess I was in stealth mode. I get to the nurse's station. They all kind of turn around and just look at me. And, you know, they kind of look at me. They look at my badge and they're like, oh, you're not an EMT. No, I'm not. Now, what about that report? Right. <laughs> so, oh, I didn't say it like that, but I think my face said it. But anyways, I said, 
nope, we're here to pick up a patient. We're transporting to the ICU. And I said, you know, I said in so-and-so's hospital. So the nurses give me reports like, yeah, his blood sugar is 400. He's, you know, alert and oriented times two. He has a 20 gauge in the right hand and his chart's right here. I kind of just looked at her with the blank stare and I said, okay, is that everything? She said, yes. I said, well, I have a few questions. And then I proceeded to ask, you know, just some fundamental basic things. And I think it took her and the rest of the nurses off guard because it was like, oh yeah, probably should have said those things. How about age, allergies, code status? Have we been tested for COVID? Does family know that they're going? And what's their admitting diagnoses? So she just said, oh, we had a blood sugar of 400. So I just said, oh, I said, uh, what's the working diagnosis? And she said, hyperglycemia. I said, oh, okay. And then as she was saying that, I grabbed the chart. I'm thumbing through the chart while she's kind of looking through her papers and her stuff like that to give me a report. And I read pretty quickly and I know where to go to get information. And then I said, what brought him to the ER? How they, how to get here? And she kind of looked at me like, she didn't know. I said, okay, I understand he has a blood sugar 400, but how did he get here? What happened? What warranted the visit to the emergency room and requires a nurse to transport to a higher level of care to an ICU? You don't even have him on the monitor. What's happening? What's happening? And so he says, well, he has no real significant medical history. Last blood pressure was, you know, 112 over 68. She rattled off some vital signs that seemed to be stable. And I said, I said, can we finish report at the bedside? I like to give bedside report. Go to the bedside. I'm still thumbing through the chart. So we get there. And then I said, and I just turned over to my auntie. I said, oh, here's some information that wasn't given in report. Patients being admitted for sepsis, acute renal failure. And oh, yes, he does have hyperglycemia. Met, and remember, she said no medical history, right? So I said, oh, here's a medical history. AFib, diabetes, GERD, congestive heart failure, seizures, hyperlipidemia, and depression, chest pain. Okay. And I just proceeded to get information from the chart. Now, although in, we ran the vital signs, systolic blood pressure was 93 over 44, heart rate 112, temperature 100.8, you know, all of these things that just paint a very difficult, different clinical picture than what she said. Now, I wasn't trying to be the know-it-all. I just wanted information to take care of my patients, but she was seeming like she knew it all. This was an easy peasy patient. Here, just here's my little report. Take the patient beyond your way. And that's just not how this works. That's not how this works. I refuse to take a report that's half-assed. I refuse to take on a patient that I'm not familiar with. Not that I'm not going to take care of the patient, but I need you as the offgoing nurse to give me something to work with. Because what she was giving me was a complete different clinical picture. And had I just ran off of her report, I could have, my not just not me, but the patient, we could have been in, um, you know, some deep trouble when we, you know, in route, uh, because this was a septic patient. So the reason why I wanted to talk about tips for dealing with a know-it-all coworker is because although she was not my exact coworker, because I don't work at her hospital, still someone that I have to work with, a colleague, a peer. So Sometimes, y'all, sometimes, whether you work in healthcare or not, you could be a nurse, you can be a doctor, respiratory therapist, you can work in banking, you can work in, I don't know, construction. We're all going to have that coworker who thinks they know everything. And, you know, anything you say or ask is kind of like belittled, like, how dare you, right? Now, golly, working with someone who thinks they know everything, that can be a very hard thing to do. These are usually people who 
you know, they think that they've experienced everything there is to experience in life that, you know, if ever there's a problem, they have the solution. If there's a question, they have the answer and they're not really open to new ideas or collaborating and they have very strong opinions, very strong, obnoxious manners. Chances are you've never, ever heard them utter the words, I don't know. When I was asking this nurse these questions, all she had to say is, you know, I don't know. Let me look that up. But she was just like, no, no, no significant medical history. I asked you, does he have any medical history? You said no. I literally just flipped one piece of paper and I see atrial fibrillation, diabetes, GERS, CHF, seizures, hyperlipidemia. Like I see all of this history. And then I'm asking more about the patients like, oh, everything was unremarkable. Okay, really? Well, okay, so maybe things are unremarkable, but what else is going on with him? He's septic. So for those of you who may not know, in sepsis, we, are, we're, we often ask about lactic acid. Tell me his lactic acid. You said he was had hyperglycemia. His blood sugar was in the 400s. What'd you do for it? Tell me what you did. What did you give the person? Like, I just felt like she just had this air and this attitude that everything's fine. He's easy peasy. Here, take him. You can go. I've like, she's done all the heavy lifting. And the truth of the matter is, She's just someone who just didn't want to be bothered. And it's really challenging working with people like that. I'm going to say some things that some of y'all may not agree with, but that's okay. This, this is from my perspective. I have worked majority of my career in critical care ICU, and I've worked in emergency room as well as a, a slew of other things. So I'm pretty familiar with the different personalities that tend to gravitate to certain specialties. ICU, we are very detail-oriented, almost anal, if you will, right? ER. Jack of all trades, master of none. That's no shade. That's no diss. That's no knock. You guys are, ER folks are very good at, you know, stabilizing situations. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and say not so detailed on the details. It just is what it is. No shade, no knock. It's just my experience and what I've seen. And as a clinical nurse specialist, having educated, oriented, and trained nurses in these respective specialties, that's what I can honestly say has been my experience. So did I expect this nurse to really be able to rattle off everything super in detail? No, not necessarily, but I did did have some standard basic expectations and this basic nurse can even meet those basic expectations. Therefore, the nurse wasn't even basic, below basic. Don't be a below basic nurse, okay? Don't be someone that it's hard to deal with. So let me get back to the tips for dealing with a know-it-all coworker. So one, let's be empathetic. As much as she irritated me, I had to remember that this attitude, this air, this privilege, whatever this person was exerting, probably stemmed from a confidence issue or some deeper personal issue. So rather than get angry at her, I had to feel empathetic. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. for I feel so sorry for you. You are one of those nurses. Mm-mm-mm. So be empathetic. <laughs> now, mind you, empathetic is just one of those tools that you need to, which leads me to tip number two, is to pick your battles. Dealing with the know-it-all can be exhausting and there are times when your best response is to ignore some of their attitudes or their responses because I just ain't got the time. I ain't got the time. I ain't got the time. I got to worry about this patient and keeping it together and focusing on the real objective here. So I deflected many of their comments from her and the nurse's station because I heard them listening. I heard them listening. They're like, dang, why she need to know all that? All she is is a transport nurse. Boo. I bet you couldn't last a minute in this ambulance with this patient. Try me. Try me if you want to. But so I just deflected the comments, realizing they don't know what they don't know. And what they don't know is that they can do half of what I do. But I didn't say anything. I just let that 
like mud roll off my back, right? Because was, that wasn't a battle. That wasn't the hill to die on at that moment. I just needed to get some good report so I could properly take care of the patient. Tip number three when dealing with a difficult person, a know-it-all, is to lead by example. So as a boss, and I mean that in every sense of the word, not only as a boss of someone, but as a boss or manager, right? You need to model the behavior that you would like to see. So I had to keep it professional. I had to keep it classy. I had to keep it collegial, which is what I did. And in many circumstances, sometimes you want to say some things that may be on your mind, but you can't say everything that you're thinking. You have to be strategic and constructive with your words, especially in the work environment, especially in front of patients, around patients, and just in the workforce, workplace. So I you know, chose to lead by example, and I was constructive with the things that I said. So I let her listen to some of the things that I said, and I said them in a way so she could hear them. So when I turned to the EMT and says, oh, you know, although um, there's no mention of report, I think it's real important. I looked here in the medical records, and according to the physician's notes, the patient does have a history of A, B, C, and D. So she heard me. She knew she didn't give us any medical history, but I proceeded to be collegial about it. It wasn't a diss. It wasn't a shade. I didn't attack her for it, but I merely was talking to my other coworker and updating them to the medical history and letting them know where I found it and saying that, you know, even though you don't get information and report, it's very important that you look into the medical records for the best interest of the patient. So you know how to best take care of your patient. So I said it that way. I led by example. I could have snapped and I could have told her what she didn't tell me and what she needed to do, but it wasn't, it wasn't the day. It wasn't, I had time, but not time for her. It wasn't, the time wasn't for her. Four, another tip for dealing with a know-it-all or someone who thinks that they know it all or a difficult person is to be armed with your own facts. So when delivering your presentation or selling an idea or heading to a meeting, be confident with your own facts. Double check your sources and verify the facts. So what I did was I verified with the medical record. So when she proceeded to tell me that the patient was just here for hyperglycemia and she said, oh, you know, there was no imaging done. I looked through the medical record and I said, oh, I, I referenced it to my ENT. I said, I know we didn't get information about any imaging, but there was a chest x-ray. So let's make sure we have the disc. I said that out loud. And I said, because I'm reading the report and it shows that there's some pulmonary vascular congestion, which is suggestive, congestive heart failure. And then I said, oh, now that I saw the imaging, let me look for the BNP. And that's a lab value that we look at to brain natriuretic peptide to give us an indication if some of someone's shortness of breath may be related to fluid overload versus a true pulmonary issue. And indeed it was. The BNP was 2000. She didn't know that either, y'all. She didn't know that either. Remember, she told me that the person was here for hyperglycemia. And she said it with such conviction. Like I was bothering her when I was getting report. I just literally, I know this might sound like, well, nurse Alice, you might have been the one that was acting like a know-it-all. Promise, promise, promise I wasn't. I'm just having a lot of energy right now in reliving this story because I'm just appalled at how arrogant this nurse was while she was sitting there at the nurse's station with like all of the other nurses just talking about trivial things, non-patient related, and was just so unattentive and unaware and uninformed about her patient. Sad. Don't be that nurse. Remember, she wasn't even basic. She was below basic. Do not be that nurse. Okay. Number five. Keep your sense of humor. So everything I said, I still said with a smile. And she, you know, after a while, she kind of put together and just like, oh, wow, I guess there was some information I didn't I didn't really see. I said, yeah, I said, I know nursing can get really busy sometimes, but it's 
kind of important. And I just smiled. (laughs) I was trying to keep a sense of humor because the last thing I wanted to do or had energy or time for was to just get into it with her because I was already hot. I was already hot. My ENTs could tell that I was hot, but if we were keeping it professional, we were keeping it collegial and we were a gentle, easy smile on our face. Okay. I didn't need her to really see how disgusted I was because it wasn't going to help anything. And by the way, his patient was going to be in better hands with me and the EMTs anyways. We were actually saving the patient, to be honest. But yeah, keep a sense of humor because it's really easy and tempting to use sarcasm uh, with the know-it-all, which I kind of shade, no shade, a little bit did. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But sometimes I can backfire. So take a deep breath, smile, and, you know, just put your best foot forward. You may not doing that, so you may not have to put your big cheesiest smile on, but, you know, keep it professional. You don't necessarily have to see this person another, you know, you don't necessarily have to work with them every day. Just lead by example. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that nurse felt crunchy. I'm pretty sure. Because even my EMTs were very professional, collegial, and receptive to what I was telling them in report and where to find everything. Because at the end of the day, I was there to take care of the patient. So I was informing myself so I could take care of the patient. And I was keeping my team, the two EMTs I worked with, abreast of what was going on and educating them because they also too aspire to become nurses one day. So um, we did that. I avoided asking any probing questions because I knew she didn't know shit. She didn't know it. So I was not going to waste my time (laughs) and embarrass her, frustrate myself with asking her questions she obviously didn't know. So if you are a healthcare professional, you're listening to this, you can probably appreciate this. Have you ever gotten report from someone? It was so scattered. It was so all over the place. It just did not match what you saw at the bedside that you just stopped asking questions. You're like, forget it. I'll read the charts. I'll talk to the patient because you were just so done, right? So I decided to be respectful and avoided any really detailed questions that I knew she couldn't answer because I had the chart in front of me. And I'm familiar with where to go in the chart for information. Now, if there was absolutely something I needed to know that I couldn't find readily in the chart, I would have had to ask her. But as resourceful as I am, as on point as my assessment is, and being an advanced practice nurse, I was good. I was good. I take care of ICU patients, ER patients in my sleep. I do this. This is what I do. Okay. So we were, patient was in good hands. Tip number seven for taking care for working with a difficult patient who thinks that they know it all is, well, I didn't really do this one. Well, I kind of did. Take time aside and offer some constructive feedback on their behavior. So as we were getting the patient on the gurney and doing those things, the the EMTs were pretty cool with doing all that. She saw, she said, oh, I see that you're a nurse practitioner. I was thinking of going to school and become a nurse practitioner. I said, oh, well, that's great. I said, do you know exactly what you want to do? She said, well, I'm not really sure about it. I said, I said, yeah, I said that, you know, I would, my recommendation would be something for that. That's something that you can think about. So when I went to school, when I, I said, well, when I did my postmasters as a nurse practitioner, because prior to that, I'm critical care, clinical nurse specialist working primarily in the ICU for about 13 years. And prior to that, another 10 so years working in ICU and ER, I came into my program knowing exactly what I wanted to do with tons of uh, experience. I'd off, I mean, I had even been a clinical instructor in the school that I was teaching, that I was going to school at. So I felt very comfortable. I said, however, some of my colleagues who had maybe less than two years of experience struggled with what they wanted to do and the advancement of their skills because they didn't have a lot of nursing experience under their belt. I said, it's doable, but it's really hard. I said, how long have you been a nurse? And then she kind of looked at me. She's like, 14 months. And I just 
y'all, I could, that could have been a real petty moment, right? I could have been really, really petty with it, but I didn't. I just I said, oh, I said, okay, well, I would just advise that you really, you know, take some time to think about what it is that you want to do and which area you want to work in. Getting some of those experiences now or networking with people in those specialties now. So it's not, you know, it's not so challenging for you when you go to school. So um, that was my opportunity to give her some constructive feedback on her behavior. I was hoping she was going to take some of that and apply it to her current practice, but hey, I don't know. Looks like it kind of humbled her after that. The way that we, I handled this situation, I think she took it well. I think she recognized like, oh, let me get it together. Because, you know, we, we've all seen those nurses and heaven forbid if we've not, we may have acted, all have acted like one at one point in time. Like, you know, information but sometimes you overestimate the information that you know and can sometimes find yourself in a situation where you really are treading, walking on thin ice and you didn't even know you were walking on thin ice because you thought you knew more than you knew. I think she was in that situation. So when, as I was thinking, I was talking aloud to my teammates about what was going on with the patient, how sick the patient was and indications of what draw, drew me to that conclusion so they could understand my thought process. She was in there absorbing it all. And I could see, cause if she wasn't interested, she would have left the room, but she stayed there that whole time and took in all of that information. So I'm hopeful that that experience humbled her in a, you know, and made it where she's not going to be such this difficult person to work with or act like a know-it-all when the situation really warrants teamwork, collaboration, and some, you know, be humble, be humble. I'm just popping my call in this particular scenario because I'm just telling the story. And then tip number eight, avoid involving your boss unless you know it's truly a situation that warrants it. So here this was, because I actually, well, one of the EMT said this, like, you know, you should tell the charge nurse or you should, you know, we should, nurses like that should be counseled because she might be doing this to other people. And the truth is they might be doing it to other people, but here are the facts. I don't work at that hospital. In fact, I'm contracted to provide a service to that hospital. So one of the things is I didn't want to potentially harm a contract with myself in the hospital and me come off as the know-it-all. So I avoided involving any type of leadership or variance report or telling on her that she didn't know the patient and you know all of this stuff that was missing that in any other situation had this really been a unit that I worked on and I, her boss or charge person were to know these things she probably would have been in trouble. She could have been written up because this is these type of omissions and lack of information is what leads to poor patient outcomes. So I did in that sense, but I did somewhat have a collegial interaction with her where I'm hopeful that that modeled the behavior that she, as well as any other nurse should take on behalf of their patient. You got to know your patient. You got to know their diagnosis. You got to know their medical history. You got to know you know, all the, their allergies, the, all, all of these things. And even if you don't have it committed to memory, you should know where to look it up. At least have the decency to say, you know what, hold on, let me log onto the computer and get you that information, right? Don't sit here and guess and half-ass tell me something. I ask you if there's medical history and you off the top of your head say, oh, there's no significant medical history. Well, boo-boo, the patient is septic. It's all get out. It has basically CHF exacerbations. The legs and ankles were swollen. If you guys know about CHF, you know about that. Patient has a uncontrolled AFib at this point, had some premature ventricular contractions, which were on the monitor once I finally got the patient on the monitor, because somehow, I guess the patient was supposed to be on the monitor and the leads weren't on. I don't know what happened there, but you know, some other things and this blood pressure was trending downward. I needed to know, like, did you give fluids? How many fluid, how much fluids did you give? Do you know, are there parameters for pressors? Like where were you, what have you been doing? 
There's a low grade um, temperature here. Did we give Tylenol? How long ago? Like, I'm gonna need you to know your patient, especially in hand off, okay? Because if you don't know your patient and you hand the patient off to someone else with that little bit of information, that puts the patient in a bad situation because you're handing over to, a prov- you're not giving me, the provider, the information I need to take the best care of this patient. And so that's what leads to patients, poor patient outcomes. So patients first, patients need to come first, check your egos at the door. Let's be better nurses by knowing the information we need to know, taking care of our patients. If you don't have a committed to memory, know where to look it up and make sure you give a good handoff. Now, if you are either on the sending or receiving end, again, how to deal with a, you know, a difficult coworker, one who thinks they know it all. I'm going to say these off again. There's eight of them. Be empathetic, guys. Pick your battles. Lead by example. Be armed with your facts. Keep a sense of humor. Avoid probing questions. Take the person aside and offer constructive feedback on their behavior if necessary. And avoid involving your boss unless it's truly, truly necessary. I think it's really important that we learn how to, how to have Crucial conversations, colleague to colleague, instead of running and telling on each other, like little kids telling on our parents or students in class running and telling the teacher, oh, little Billy hit me. You know what? Have that talk with little Billy. And then if it doesn't go anywhere, then talk take it to the teacher. I felt very compelled to have that conversation. It was based on a really recent and real experience, guys. It makes me sad because some of you may or may not know, but my dad died in the emergency room which is why I didn't go to work in the emergency room right away. I've always worked critical care, ICU, and I found my way back to ER. And in situations like this, I can see how my dad died in the emergency room. And when that happened, I decided that I was going to be the best cardiac nurse in the world because he died of a massive heart attack. And it's situations like this and nurses who I encountered in like in this particular situation that lead to events like that happening. So please, 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 I plead with you. I want to empower you to not be that type of nurse, that type of physician, respiratory therapist. Just don't, don't do it. And if you're looking for help and you want to be better at being a nurse, even if you're a student nurse and you want to be better, you want to develop this critical thinking, learn all of those things that you should know to be the best clinician that you can, make sure to visit nurse.org. Tons of helpful tips there on how to optimize your practice, things you should know, hacks, tips, and all those things so you can be a better clinician. And if anything, reach out to me. I'd be happy to mentor, help, and work with you guys. I've done um, some lives and some classes with nurse.org, plan on doing several more in this upcoming year. So email me, let me know what that is. You can email me at nursealice at nurse.org. And we'd love to help you to be the best clinician that you can be, whether you are an LVN, I've been an LVN, RN, advanced practice nurse, all those things. We want to see you be successful. So help us help you. Let us know what it is that you want to hear. So on that note, guys, I want to say thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I really appreciate you guys. Um, Sharing is caring. So make sure to share uh, this episode with a friend, a colleague, a coworker, a classmate, and also leave a review, rate it. We'd love to know what you think about the show. Okay. So until next time, guys, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I am Nurse Alice. You can follow me on all things social media at Ask Nurse Alice. And also visit nurse.org. Tons of great information there. So until next time, be kind to one another, make good choices, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.